Welcome to the Beacons of Bravery podcast, episode number five. Today you'll meet our beacon, Mr. Don Sewell. He's a corporate superstar, but he also is a pastor and has other dreams on his horizon as well. So if you're a person who works at nine to five, has a side hustle, but still have dreams in your heart, tune in to be inspired to listen to this great beacon. Welcome to the Beacons of Bravery podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Norman, former perfectionist, people pleaser, and rule follower who woke up one day and realized I'd been living somebody else's dream because of my fear of stepping outside the lines. That's why I started this podcast, to interview authors, entrepreneurs, and everyday people who learn to overcome their fears and obstacles in order to live the life of their dreams to shine the light on how we can live the life of our dreams. Don Sewell, welcome to the podcast, Beacons of Bravery. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, doing great. How are you doing today, ma'am? I'm great. It's good to see your face again. We see each other a lot on Zoom, but not usually in this circumstance. Don and I, I'll give you a little introduction. We work together in a corporation and he's a regional vice president, right? Yes. And so he's a big wig, (laughs) (laughs) but we know each other. We've known each other for probably six, seven, eight years, something like that. Eight, I would say. Yes. Yeah. So that's how we know each other, but there's a lot more to Don's story and my story. You know, we all have personal lives and he is a beacon of bravery and he's going to tell us why as we, as we go on. But Don, I wanted to start out with, uh, where are you in the world right now? Where do you live? I actually live in Spring, Texas, which is right outside of Houston, Texas. I love Houston. A lot of people don't, but I do. I went from Oregon to Houston to go to physical therapy school, and I loved it. Wow. Except for the humidity. (laughs) Okay, okay. I love the humidity. I love the humidity. (laughs) You know, and that's something that's weird because I'm born and raised in Houston, Texas. Had the opportunity to uh, go to college at Western Kentucky University. So I the Midwest to go to school. So actually been in the humidity. And then when that first year of college, when I was exposed to snow, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So I was excited about getting back to Texas. Uh, I bet. No, I love Houston. It's just such a, I don't know, cosmopolitan. The food is the best. There's every culture in the world. I just, I love it. So I'm jealous. Got to visit again soon sometime. Well, you got a place to go. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to know a little bit about Dawn as a high school student. Uh, I don't know where you went, but you can tell us when, you know, when you're graduating high school, they usually do like most likely to succeed or most likely to play in the NFL, whatever. Every school is different. Did you guys do that? And were you voted any of those? I was thinking about that when I was looking up and and I couldn't find my yearbook, but I know what it was. It had to be, uh, it had to do with not, I used to get up all the time in class 
you know, and I was yeah. always the one who wanted to go to the restroom or if the teacher needed something, I need to go check on something. So I was, it was something that could, it was like a little joke, basically, uh, in reference to can't sit in the seat long enough. It was, it was something just crazy. I never got the most popular, didn't get the most handsome. Uh, but when it came to like the little joke, they put me on one of the jokes. So, I mean, that was it. Yeah. It's good at all. Can't sit down for long and you still can't don't. Yeah. So we're going to start with kind of your life right now and then we'll rewind. So if somebody asked you today, what do you do? And that's not just what you do in your corporate life, but if you have, you know, other things going on, which a lot of us do, what would you tell somebody? What do you, if someone says, what do you do? What do you tell them? I just, basically I tell them I'm in the nursing home industry and I'm also a pastor. So mm-hmm. pretty much I'm a servant on all aspects. That's true. And we'll get into that pastor part because that's definitely a big part of your life. And as well as you being in the nursing home industry, you're right. Servant all the way around. So let's go back to little Don <laughs> when you were coming up, kind of what was your upbringing like? Very modest, uh, poor background. Mm-hmm. We was poor. Uh, I was telling my kids, uh, they don't know how blessed they are. You know, when I graduated from high school, me and my two younger sisters, we shared a room. Wow. So, uh, so it was my parents uh, and my, my two sisters and I, we all stayed in a two bedroom apartment. Mm, yeah. High school. So again, uh, that's where our background, that's where I started. Uh, in Houston, like I said, very, very, uh, very loving uh, Christian home. Mm-hmm. You know, you know the way it was back then. We were so poor, but we didn't even know it. And as for growing up, uh, we were one of those family you couldn't really tell me that I was poor because we had so much love in the home. But as I look back on it, we were definitely poor. But my my parents did an awesome job uh, in our later years of really, you know, instilling you know, the Bible and a Christian lifestyle tools and, mm-hmm. and just loved them. So because of that, we was able to really, really move forward. What part of Houston were you from? I mean, give a shout out, you know, there's all different parts. Okay. Well, it's actually my father's two sides. The, the, my dad's side is from South Park, which is the South side mm-hmm. of Houston. Mm-hmm. And mother's uh, family is from Cashman Garden. So we had Cashman Garden mixed with South Park. So we was on two totally different opposite sides. Mm-hmm. And a lot of years of my high school career, I grew up in the Aldine area. Okay. Yeah. So then did you go on to college or what'd you do after high school? Well, after high school, of course, I, I played football. I was, I was pretty good back then. I think I was good back then. <laughs> and, but actually I look at film and I'm like, I really wasn't uh, that good. Maybe I was just lucky, but whatever you want to say it, I was actually, uh, able to get a football scholarship. So I had a football scholarship, full scholarship to go to West Kentucky University where I played football. Oh, yeah, you did say that. And then what did you study in college? <laughs> That's something. I studied <laughs> a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. And it's, and it's crazy. And, and you're a therapist. You probably get a kick out of this. When I first got to college, I, and even when I was in high school, it was my goal to be a physical therapist. Really? So I was going to be a it was a physical therapist, but when I got to college because I was on full scholarship, 
I actually had a counselor come to me before a football game and say, we're done. We have to change your major because you're in a pre-professional program. I'm like, okay. And for some reason they put me in an engineering program and I had nothing, I didn't want nothing to do. (laughs) So from there I ended up going and, and really, I went back home and I had opportunity to visit one of my uncles and my uncle was in a, a nursing facility. Mm-hmm. And I, I, when I went up to the nursing facility, it was, uh, I'll never forget. It was a, a Houston based home. And when I went in there, I saw a parking lot. I mean, a, a parking, a sign in the parking lot that said director of nurses. And I was saying, you know, I was young. I was like, you know what? I, when I need to get a new major, and when I get out of school, I think I want to have a parking place. So <laughs> I'm the director of nurses. So I went back to college after that visit and I said, I want to be a director of nurses. So I started going into the healthcare administration slash nursing program. And I was double majoring in healthcare administration and nursing for really? a long time. Yes, ma'am. So then after that, because I know eventually you became a nursing home administrator, right? That's correct. That's correct. And that was actually funny because actually I was doing a presentation in one of my classes, Carrie, and the my teacher, after the presentation, he said, Don, what are you trying to do with your degrees? You know, and I put my my shoulders back and I said, I'm going to be the director of nursing. And he just started laughing. And I said, what are you laughing at? He said, well, you ever thought about being an administrator? I'm like, what does an administrator do? He said, that's the boss of <laughs> the director of nurses. I'm like, oh, well, if that's the boss of the director of nurses, I think if the director of nursing got a got a sign, I know the administrator got a sign. So I'm like, okay, tell me a little bit more. And he actually he was so impressed that he invited me to be his AIT administrative training mm-hmm. at the nursing facility. And uh, when I learned about that, I wanted to kind of fast track because one thing of I actually started out in college. I had my kids young. Mm-hmm. My uh, first daughter when I was 19 years old, very, very young. So I was actually having to work, you know, play football and go to school to wow. raise raise my kids. So I had my two daughters at that time. Uh, so we had that life. So, of course, I'm looking to support my family mm-hmm. as a college student, as a full-time athlete. And this guy started telling me that I can, you know, I can become uh, administrator. I'm like, whoa, I think I'm ready to do this. <laughs> so I looked at, went and talked to my counselors. And before you know it, I, I took, I want to say about 20 hours, you mm-hmm. know, 18, 18 to 20 hours that I took uh, really quick. And I took a couple in the summer and I was, I was ready to go to the AIT program. I had graduated the fast track. So that's what I did uh, made a mistake in that area a little. I mean, God has blessed me; He's been faithful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm I'm looking to resolve, you know, that one piece where I, I step aside and decided that I wasn't going to pursue that nursing. I'm actually it's funny. Um, I actually in, enrolled in a program now to go back to get my RN. So, really? Yes, Don, ma'am. I did not know that. that I haven't really awesome. made it. I haven't made it public yet. Yeah. But I enrolled, now you I got, did. Yes, yes, I did. (laughs) So I'm going back to try to get what I I, I didn't finish. Yeah. Well, among other things, you have another degree, don't you? Don't you have an MBA? Yes, Yes, I have an MBA. 
Uh, and I also have my master's of pastoral counseling. Mm. So, wow, you got you got some creds behind your <laughs> name for sure. So, I mean, that's I'm kind of dumbfounded. Dawn as a nurse, I like it. Mm. I like it. You want to be the best, be. Uh, and one thing that I, I really want to make sure that in all aspects of everything that I do, I, I try to work hard to be competent mm-hmm. uh, area. And anytime I see like an area that I think I can learn more, I want to be a student of it. And again, nursing is, you know, been managing. And of course, I can I can talk to lingo, but yeah. it's one kind of had the credentials and really be able to do it. So I, I want to do it. And and it goes in line with everything I want to do. I I I can serve people. I want to serve people. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, I can, that's what I would like to do. I'm really impressed with that. And it, you are an inspiring person for sure. Is, is there a time in your life or when you look back, was there a big, big fear or obstacle that you had to overcome on your path to being where you are? And then if so, how did you go about overcoming it? Well, a couple things um, that I take a lot of pride in, just kind of knowing me. Um, it's a little, when I was about 18 months, 18 months, uh, I, was, I was at my grandmother's house. And as a, as a baby, as a toddler, I got into some Drano. Oh. And I actually drunk Drano. And when I drunk the Drano, uh, it nearly took my life. And thing that that the doctors came in and they told um, told my mother, they say, well, it's looking bad. It's looking bad. It's touch and go. And we don't know if he's going to make it. But if he makes it, one thing we know for sure is that he he will never be able to talk. Mm. He will <laughs> never he will never have the ability to, you know, you know, be able to speak. Because, you know, of what he's doing and. and People don't have, don't know it, but you know, Dad left me with half of a, half a tongue. So really? I speak. Really? Yes, but half my tongue is is gone. I and I've learned to manage to to talk and interact with people, and they would never know that. I've known you for ten years. I've never <laughs> noticed. Wow. Yeah. So that's incredible. Yeah. So that's one thing. You know. So again that just kind of set up a lot of things. So it, for me, uh, was always brought up in tough situations where people didn't think that you can make it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of been a the ongoing thing. And I remember because as my, you know, my family had some challenges, you know, when I was in a younger, younger, you know, in high school, everything kind of leveled off, but before the end, you know, um, of course my mother, you know, she had some, some problems with mental illness. You know, had, had like nervous breakdowns and and during that time frame, my father, he was actually uh, and he's doing so great now. I, I love my father. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back then he found himself uh, a victim of the crack epidemic. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, so people would 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 tell uh, my mom and it would, and it would even, even be relative that time that your kids don't have a chance. Mm. They don't have a chance, uh, you know, and they would be you know mean with it you're crazy and your and your husband and your husband on drugs yeah so you know we we had to fight against the odds and I think you know uh, I truly believe it's God's favor 
mm-hmm. uh, that we got through. But, you know, those teachings uh, were so important for us. And um, I think one of the things that we, we talked about is, you know, having like a quote. And, you know, it's actually a poem by uh, Edgar Abergess, uh, See It Through. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, I mean, that's one of the, the poems that I can kind of go back to it because it talk about, you know, seeing it through and how, you know, when you're up against the, the troubles and, you know, and, and talking about, you know, don't, don't give up whatever you do, you know, keep your head high and, you know, and it, it began to tell you, you know, you're just facing what other men have met. So everybody has their own struggle. Mm-hmm. Everybody have a struggle, but you have to commit to see it through, you know, and if we commit to see it through, it makes a difference. It makes a big difference in our life. So I just think that, uh, you know, by faith, um, by hard work. I mean, nothing has came easy for me at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I say you have to work for what you have, uh, but you know, you have some favor, you have the favor and, and hard work will, will always help you get there also. So we had to work hard to get to where we are. Uh, and at the end of the day, you have to see it through. So kind of feeding off what you're saying about your background, it, there's a lot of people that face situations like that. I mean, that parents are on drugs or mental illness and all that. And maybe they have gone a different way. They went the way of drugs or, or whatever. What do you think is the difference between people who maybe are even raised in the same family and that go a way of positivity versus a way of destruction? What do you think? Uh I think a lot of things roll back to choices. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to make a choice to succeed. I have to make a choice to fail you. And for me, uh, that's something that I fear failing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, because if you, if you fail and, and, and I would ask myself, what am I going to do? You know, and one of the pressing things for me, and it, and it kind of was the motivator because um, when I left home, you know, after high school, mm-hmm. I knew, and I had a, had a baby right after that. Yeah, I knew I'd come home. <laughs> what am I gonna do if you know I got a? Ch- I'm 19 years old, and I have a child. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fail. I don't want my child to go without. Yeah. So I have to do something. So I had to make a choice to decide what are you gonna do, Dunn? How are you gonna do it? How are you gonna interact? What are you gonna how are you going to respond? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I had friends, of course, who came and, and they were in school, had friends that were in school. They came and they, well, I can't take this. I'm going back home. I'm like, well, yeah, I can go home. <laughs> I can't go back home. <laughs> I don't care what they asked me to do. Get up at four o'clock, five o'clock, run, lift weights, yeah. you know, make this great. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. So you had a big motivation. <laughs> Yes. To, to stick it through. Yes, ma'am. So we know about the business, you. And look, I know you got a really nice car. I've seen it. <laughs> you're, doing, <laughs> you're doing good. But uh, where does the pastor part come in? When did that start coming into your life? And when did you feel the calling or whatever? Wow. Wow. That takes me back. Uh, I'm actually, I'm actually sitting right here. 2000, 2005, no, 2004. It was 2004 that I actually accepted my calling to mm-hmm. the ministry. Uh, 
Now I say actually accepted my call into the ministry because I always knew that I was called to preach and was called to minister. And I remember as a young, young guy, uh, I would say I had to be like no more than 10, eight, nine or 10, nine years old. So I went to my former pastor and I told him, I say, now, now, pastor, I know I'm supposed, I'm supposed to preach, but I haven't had my dream yet. When, when am I going to have my dream that's going to tell me that I'm supposed to be preaching? Mm-hmm. And he's like, he looked at me and he's like, well, just wait. When it's, when it's time, God will let you know. He'll let you know and you'll go. So I, I went through life and, of course, uh, you know, as a child, you know, making mistakes, doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I, it's certain things I just couldn't do. You know how you just can't, you don't feel comfortable doing those things. You have the upbringing and you still have that spirit talking to you saying, hey, you know, you're not supposed to be here. So I could never truly get comfortable, uh, you know, outside of it. And I remember uh, vividly, uh, I was a couple things. I had gotten into a situation where I had I had got fired. I got mm-hmm. fired from uh, my, I think it was my first administrator job, actually, from the first company that I was administrator with. Mm-hmm. It, it was, uh, I, I started out in a 60-bed building. They promoted me after a short period of time to a 100-bed building. And then we was having the survey. And I made a mistake. I made a mistake. I was trying to be slick and I did something that I shouldn't have done. And that mistake cost me my job. Mm-hmm. And a period, because I had just got a job as administrator, you know, and now I don't have a job. And I got these, got these babies. I, got, I had babies at that time. I got two babies. <laughs> and I got a wife at this time. So I got a wife and two babies and, and no job. That's just not going to work for me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, was, I found myself in that short period of time going to through a little phase of, you know, of course, depression hit, hits you and you're kind of depressed because you don't know what to do. So you end up, you know, using vices, you know, smoking cigarettes and, right. you know, drinking, you know, some alcohol. And it's just you, you know, throwing a pity party. So mm-hmm. I was kind of on a little pity party and I just found myself uh, and I remember and it's funny uh, because uh, well, I hope. I'm not worried about people judging me, uh, but I was drunk. I was drunk, uh, Miss Carrie, and I found myself sitting down in the chair, and I was sitting there like, why are you doing this? Why are you, this is not you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God started talking to me, and I started talking. I said, God, I, I hear you, God. I, I understand what you're trying to tell me. And I'm in there talking to myself, and I said, if you let me get out of this situation, God, get me back on my feet. I promise to do what you called me to do. Never say I didn't say it in there, but it was in my heart. I know exactly right. what it was. So from there, what happened is after I was sitting there, you know, within I would say three or three weeks, three to four weeks at the most. I had been applying for jobs, and before you know it, I had an opportunity that came up in Texas. Mm-hmm. So the lady said, "If you want a job, just come on down here." She said, "I even pay you, give you pay your mileage to get down here, and pay your." For your move, I say what? I say I'm my way. <laughs> <laughs> so I moved. I moved back home, uh, and I got the job. I got the job, and before I went to the job that Sunday, before I was going to start, I went to went to the church, first church. Uh, I went to told the pastor, "Hey, I've been called to preach. I want to join the church. I've been called to preach." And then I've been 
I mean, I've been preaching ever since, preaching ever since and ministering ever since that time. But that, it was it was hard. It was hard because I remember I went there and one part that I failed to to mention, I remember after I got the job, I was I had drove I have was in my car and I just stopped at a stop sign and I just started crying mm-hmm. because I didn't I, I've, I've seen some ministers that hurt people mm-hmm. yeah by that and and I was like God I don't want to be one of them I don't want to be like that that's not who I want that's not who I am mm-hmm. but it was a struggle he's like I'm worried about repeating what I've seen and he's calling me to be who he's called me to be. Mm-hmm. But it was a struggle because I didn't want to be lumped in with somebody who, who lacked integrity. Right. You know, so I, I did that. I cried and I said, God, but, but I asked you and you said that if I do this, I mean, I actually, I told you if I do this, if you get do this, and I was bargaining with God, we shouldn't bargain with God. I know. I, I was just going to say you were bargaining. <laughs> bargaining with God. But he came through. He came through and he was faithful. And, and I wanted to make sure I did exactly what I said. So, I mean, I accepted my, my call into the ministry. And from there, it's it's been ongoing. It's been a struggle. I mean, somebody tell you that you accept your call. It's going to be easy after that. It was not the case for me at all. Mm-hmm. But like I said, God's been faithful. I was able to, to work through it and, and, and everything's been fine. So I've been a minister. I've been a senior pastor. I was senior pastor and founder of a, of a church plant for seven years. Um, and we went through a phase where the, the church plant didn't, it didn't uh, grow. It didn't do exactly what it needed to do at that time. Uh, so currently I'm still serving as an associate pastor, assistant pastor mm-hmm. in a local here in the Houston area. So I'm, I'm doing that and still continue to serve doing homeless ministry and the things I think that are important. That's awesome. So you kind of described to me your own rock bottom, and I'm sure as a pastor, a minister, you've seen people in their rock bottoms. Mm -hmm. What I'm wondering is, so that's what kind of, it seems like changed your life. Do people have to go through a rock bottom to make a significant change in their life? I don't believe do um but you have to you have to want to change you have to see the need for change Mm -hmm. or you know because again it could have been well i didn't i don't know you have to see the need for the change to 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 try to change i mean some people make mistakes and it's easy to bounce back from a mistake Mm -hmm. Uh, but sometimes uh people get used to just doing what they've been doing Mm -hmm. and because they're just doing the same thing over and over again they begin to say, well, this, this is just who I am. Yeah. You know, and if you don't really understand that there's truly an option or there's truly a different way, then, you know, you'll stay stuck. Stay stuck. Do you ever get frustrated as a, as a pastor? You want to shake people out of it, out of their complacency, their comfort zone. It's just like, okay, you're just going to work. You're just doing whatever. It's like, there's more to life. Don't you realize? I mean, how do you reach people with that message? You, you gotta be. You have to be. First of all, you have to be humble. Uh, and again, mm-hmm. as a young minister, I was very, very enthusiastic because you know you come in wanting to change the world, mm-hmm. thinking you can change the world, but we are not God. 
We're mm-hmm. not God. So we have to be able to provide them with uh, song, sound, uh, biblical advice. And, and that actually draws me to um, a book that I, I love and I would recommend to, to anyone. It's a book by J.E. Adams. And it's called How to Help Change, How to Help People Change. Ooh. How to Help People Change. And uh, it's a it's a four-step biblical process that you can utilize to, you know, help people change their life by, you know, utilizing them to buy up the Bible and it gives you a, a biblical perspective. You know, there's different, you know, ways to to provide change, you know, of course, in management, you you go through the process improvement and mm-hmm. and those cycles. Uh, a pip, a pip, performance improvement. We, we've done a lot of those. Pip. Or hold on, hold on. We've done a lot of pips. A QA, a quality. <laughs> go ahead and do a QA, which is going to be your plan to improve the problem that you've seen. So again, you know, we have those interventions, but I mean, I like to look at things from a biblical. Uh, perspective and you know Mr. Adams he had you know many books that are really good you know Christian counsel manuals uh, you know Christian counsel counselors case books and different things that you could utilize to help with counseling and, and when I was you know studying and in school for pastoral counseling these are some of the resources that I, I utilize and I think they're just good tools that you can use at any given time because people you know, people have situations they need to know how to change. And, you know, it talks about teaching. It talks about conviction, how, you know, you can't really get there, you know, uh, but there had to be some conviction uh, involved in that process. And not only that, you know, you got to be able to provide correction and provide correction the right way. I mean, one thing you can do, you can be uh, doing the right thing, but if you say it the wrong way, you lose it. You lose your audience. And, and that's something I had to learn that it's a way to get things done, uh, it's a way to correct things, and a lot of people don't want to feel like they're being judged. Right. So you have to master listening, and when you master listening to them, I mean they'll tell you what the concerns are, and you can ask questions like, okay, so what do you what do you think you should do? You know, and then if they open it up for you to provide that advice, then of course you know you say, well. You know, Bible says, you know, what, what God would say. Or you can, you know, you can share whatever God or the spirit of God is leading you to do. And then from there, it's just just training, getting to a place where you know what the corrections are, but you're you're building yourself up to be better. You're building mm-hmm. yourself up to something different. So if if I'm going to change my life, uh, I can't leave it just void. I got to learn how to be the, the better me. Mm-hmm. And to be the better me, I got to build the, be- the, the new me up. So to build a new me up, I have to take steps uh, and they have to be uh, steps that are intentional. As I take these intentional steps, it's going to help me to move forward and do those things that I need to do. So I think that through the word of God, through using the right techniques that anybody can change. And, mm-hmm. you know, we all have fears. I mean, I don't know what the fear is for you, but we've all experienced some things that are, you know, that are crushing. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I think people who are just stuck they're just stuck and and they need a way out yeah. they want a way out it's not that they don't want them to to change but they don't know how to change so you know that's a, a book that I, I like and I would recommend to anyone uh to really look at it because it can can help you change I love that because you uh, preempted a question I always ask at the end what's a book recommendation so that was good to put it in right there <laughs> okay. and thank you for that so 
uh, here's one thing, you know, you talked about fears and you've seen me over the years. I have a oh, terrible feel, fear of public speaking and you don't, you're up there just taking the mic and breaking it down. And I just always like envy people like you. What, what gives you that confidence or were you always that confident? No, no, I wasn't just practice. I would say practice getting out there. I remember uh, my first in service in a nursing facility <laughs> because uh, of course I would speak at different things and you know people say you're a leader but I had to speak to people and tell them how they need to do certain things and I can remember when I was talking it felt like as I was talking I can feel my heart every <laughs> beat in my heart like it was at the same time and then I started feeling it was like it was raising my heart was beating so hard I started feeling it in my throat <laughs> you know I can feel my heart and I'm like and then it feel like it was so profound that my voice started to kind of, I thought, shrivel up. Yeah. And I'm like, and I feel like my voice was shaking. I'm, and I actually, I said, well, how did I do? I was so nervous. She said, well, I couldn't tell. I don't know if she was lying to me or what, Carrie. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how you couldn't tell I was nervous because, I mean, I had every symptom in, <laughs> in the book. So I just did it and started talking. And, and I just got better. The more you do something, the better you become. That's you true. Know? And you just described the exact sens sensations that always go through me. And it doesn't <laughs> matter if it's the hundredth time. I'm like, this is crazy. I've done this <laughs> enough times, but that was some good advice. Just keep, keep practicing. Cause yeah, the and, more, you know, your stuff. And once you start for me, once I start, it's, it's fine. You know, I still get nervous. You know, yeah. when you're at certain certain place, certain events, you still have that fear. So you just got to work through it. You know, like I said in the quote, you just got to see it through. Mm -hmm. You know, got to see it through. So everything you've been through and done is amazing. But I want to go now to the future a little bit. You've kind of told us what your future plans are to get your nursing degree. What other dreams are still out there for you? And then what maybe fears or obstacles kind of have been holding you back from them or if they have? Well, I think I'll have to say it this way. Our, for a while, you know, well, how can I say this? One thing is, of course, in this industry, I want to be able to become an owner one day. You know, it's one thing to, you know, work. And I love the company I work for. God knows I love the company. Mm -hmm. uh, awesome co company, awesome leadership, but being an owner is something that I've always dreamed of doing, you know, uh, being a provider of somebody who can provide jobs for, you know, yeah. for people. I mean, it's, it's something that's just, you know, awesome. So, you know, I have that entrepreneur spirit that's inside of me that, you know, I want to do more, um, you know, get things accomplished. So, I mean, that's something that I, I'm wanting to do. And it's going to, of course, be built around building uh, a healthcare company, you know, healthcare company, you know, combining uh, everything that people need. You know, I can see it uh, including nursing homes, including hospice companies, including uh, a home health agency, mm -hmm. just being able to provide services to people who need it most. And that's kind of where what I, I'm wanting to do in regards to uh, career wise. But and, I, and it's my prayer that as that stabilize then I really be able to do what I, I want to do on a full-time basis, which is minister and pastor and, and preach, 
I love to preach the gospel. I mm-hmm. love to preach the gospel. It's like, you know, and I just light up when it's time to, re, you know, spend time. And, and I, I love how, you know, the spirit of God will been able to use me to give uh, relevant messages to people in a time that they really, really needed. So if I didn't, if I had everything lined up with my business and I was, you know, had other people working on a daily that basis. Passive income. That passive income, you know, uh, if I had that income coming in, then that would kind of free me up uh, to do more um, ministry and service um, throughout. I mean, we, me and my wife, we, we love doing things. We, we raised money and built homes in Haiti. You know, mm-hmm. we Africa doing different things. So, you know, if I can do more, I think, and, you know, God will bless you with more when he knows he can trust you with more. Right. You know, so I, I believe that he's showing himself faithful and, and we'll get more so we can help more people. Mm-hmm. I don't think so- it's selfish to believe in abundance when you know that your abundance spills over to everybody else. Yes, ma'am. No? Yes. yes, ma'am. I agree. I agree. Quit calling me, ma'am. I, I, well, you know, I'm from, I told you I'm from Houston. That's I the know. <laughs> and my mom would, would not allow me to say anything, but yes, ma'am. So that's just the way it's done down here. Well, Don, this has been great. I just have a couple of things in closing. Um, you've already talked about a book that you like. You've already given us a good quote. Do you have any other quotes that are floating around in your mind? If not, the one you gave was good. Okay. It was great. Not right now. I think that's okay. it for okay. now. Is there anyone that you follow on social media, Instagram, whatever, that's an inspiration to you that you can recommend that would be an inspiration? No, you're shaking your head. No. <laughs> I'm kind of taking a break from, yeah. from social media. I, unfortunately, it's been a lot of, a lot yeah. of things, a lot of activity from Twitter and Facebook and, you know, it's politics so, right now. Ain't fun yeah, either. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't want to hear about it. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. we got so much work to do uh, that I don't want to get caught up. So I had, I've kind of uh, distanced myself from the social media mm-hmm. uh, at this point. I mean, we still on there. I put like my anniversary, me and my wife had anniversary. So I put that I on Facebook. That. that was super cute. Thank you. Thank you. So it's, I got, do things like that but I don't really I don't follow anyone and that's actually probably good advice we all would be probably a lot happier if we put that down a lot more and you would actually sometimes I caught myself at one time spending too much time on Mm -hmm. on social and you know I learned it by looking at my my phone I have an iPhone Mm -hmm. and it show it shows how your battery life is being utilized (laughs) Yeah, your oh, time. My I utilized my time. Utilized was I, I spent that how many hours on Facebook? How many hours in social media? Just about your, your boy I've done. I'm like, ooh, that, that don't look right. That don't look right. And even my emails, and I'm getting paid to read emails, <laughs> you know. And I'm spending more time in social media than emails. That's a problem now. Yeah. So yeah, so I had to. I got you. Step away. How about a movie? What's a favorite movie of yours? Something that if it comes on the TV, you watch over and over again, or just that's inspiring. Can you think of one? 
inspire and see when it, when or, you first or just it doesn't have to be inspiring it, was, it can be you know as, rocky or whatever Forrest Gump you know I always love oh. Forrest Gump so yeah it does you know you know life is just like a box of chocolate you never know what you're gonna get you know? so, so I love you know love me some Forrest Gump uh I've seen some other ones uh, I did really enjoy the movie Harriet I thought that was an awesome movie mm, I've heard that it's good. Yeah, that was an awesome movie there. I mean, it talks Speaking about, about Harriet Tubman. Yes, it mm -hmm. was it was a movie and, and it talks about how she did so many people and how she would listen to God. Mm -hmm. And one one scene in the member in the movie, it was a guy uh who was on on a horse and and he came up to her and he said, Well, I I see that you talk to God, and it seemed like He's talking to you. So I want to stay with you. He said, I want to be connected with you. So wherever you're going, if, if you're talking to God and, and if he's um, speaking to you and you're getting where you're going, I want to be with you. So I thought that was really, really telling of, mm -hmm. of her character, uh, the things that she had to go through and how she was able to uh, really overcome some some trying physical physical condition. So mm -hmm. I thought that was a really good movie. I would recommend it to anyone. Yeah, that's a good recommendation. Well, Don, it's obvious why I wanted you on your on this show because you are a beacon of bravery. You know, you had a parent that was a drug addict and you know didn't have the easiest life, and you've come a long way, and you're shining the light for other people in every way. But my last thing I want to say is: is there any last bit of advice you would have for people or anything on your heart that you could share to inspire anyone? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but Jenny, any last tug at your heart? Well, I think it's just, I mean, life is hard. I mean, don't give up. Don't give up. I mean, I, I think it's important that you get connected, you know, get connected with God. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that's a one true God. And I think that relationship is so, so important. Um, and I think that if, I mean, if you're in a situation and you don't have direction, I mean, it's important that, you know, you don't get advice from people who don't have, you know, don't know what they're talking about. Or you know, sometimes people you vent and you share the most intimate, you know, situations, the most troubling situations with people uh, who don't have any incentive to give you the right advice. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you got to pick your company wisely, you know, pick your counselors even wiser, wiser, you know, make sure that if I'm going to you for advice uh, that you have something or you showed me, you, you have showed me something that's going to help me, you know, benefit in life. And I think that's important because, I mean, some people can get in the habit of just just talking, uh, just talking to somebody because, you know, it's it's uh, it's a release for them mm -hmm. to get it off their chest. But, you know, everybody can't handle what you're what you're going to put out. So just choose choose that counseling very, very wisely. That's perfect. Good words there to end with. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Beacons of Bravery show. Can't wait for everyone to get to experience you and your life and your wisdom. And I just appreciate it. Oh, awesome. Awesome. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I, I jumped at the opportunity to come and share. <laughs> you I mean, did. This, uh, it's, 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 
it's wonderful. It's wonderful just to to talk about, you know, bravery, to talk about, you know, overcoming fears. I think it's a very, very awesome um, uh, forum. I, I know that you're going to be blessed. I know you're going to be successful uh, as you continue to bring people on because uh, it only takes one one good, uh, I, you know, iPod. I said an iPod. Podcast. podcast. One, good, yeah. one good podcast to to change somebody's life. You know, and I would just encourage you, even if that one, I mean, you'll begin to hear something. This really helped me. And oh, my God, how that will push you and, and just mm-hmm. thrust more. Uh, you never know who's listening. Uh, right. especially, but, you know, one thing that I can always say to you and the Bible says is that uh, God's word will never return back void, never return back void. So as long as you put it out there, just step back and, and he's going to do the rest. So. So thank you for allowing me to be a part of this. Well, thank you, Don. We'll talk soon. I appreciate you. Thank you, ma'am. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Beacons of Bravery podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I would love it if you would go and rate and review the show and also share it with somebody who you think would benefit from listening to the message. I would also love to connect with you on Instagram or you can email me at beaconsofbravery at gmail.com. I hope something that you heard today will help you go out and live a more joy-filled, inspired life. Don't keep playing it safe. Be brave today. And of course, a huge shout out to Steve Denny for providing the music for this podcast.